Hello, everybody, and welcome to the DFS Academy NFL podcast for the week one of the, I guess it's the 2020 NFL season. I am your host, Matthew, a.k.a. Dark Sheep. I am once again joined by the owner and founder of the DFS Academy, David Hess. How are you doing this evening? I'd be doing a lot better if I was winning a million dollars in the showdown. Did you at least stack two, one lineup with two defenses like and one in captain so you could get that screenshot? Nope, no start? defenses for me tonight. I also have a zero-point Randall Cobb in 70% ah. of my lineups. All right, so we are uh, sitting here in about halftime of the, the Houston – Kansas City game. So we kind of wanted to lead off tonight with something from this game. So the first half, well, I guess even before this this season, there was a lot of talk. One of the talking points on Kansas City was who's going to get more action, Nicole Hardman or Sammy Watkins? And, uh, you know, there's endless debates, Twitter, Discord, everywhere. As it turns out, David, what what is the answer to that question so far in this first half? It turns out that it didn't really matter that Demarcus Robinson actually leads the three of them with six targets. He might even lead all of Kansas City. I'm not too sure on that, but I think Kelsey's in second with four. Yes. So <laughs> basically what we mean is going into this first week, we we have no idea what these teams are planning. We didn't see anything in preseason. All we have is beat writer reports and coach speak and who knows what the actual game plans are for these. So as we go into this first week, that's something we want to keep in mind. We want to think about what areas are people just making assumptions and how can we get away from that? So I think the big, one of the big chalk assumptions, well, maybe not big chalk, but one of the chalkier assumptions that people are going to make is at the running back for Jacksonville. Would you agree? Washington. Yeah, um, so Antonio Gibson this week is being talked like he's going to be a three-down back, that he's going to get the lion's share of the carries, but that's something that I'm not really buying into for week one. I mean, he had like under 40 or 50 carries in his entire college career as a running back, so this is somebody that has very little experience at that position that I would assume has more of a season one uh, Tyreek Hill gadget role you know, I think that he's probably running sweeps and catching screens and, you know, I could probably see eight to 12 touches. And that would have been a really good play if 50% of the field wasn't on him. But because of that, you know, I'd rather lean somewhere like Chris Thompson for the same price, who has just as much of a murky situation in Jacksonville. Armstead's on injured reserve. They traded for net. Uh, James Robinson's the only other guy there. Um, and a game script where they should be behind. So like, I feel like you can get at least equal, maybe better production from Chris Thompson for 70% of the ownership at the same price. Right. But, you know, Chris Thompson gets hurt. What about that? Uh, I can't project injuries. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm being sarcastic <laughs> again here. That's, you know, there's a lot of players like that. Uh, Will Fuller tonight, Chris Thompson, people just say they get hurt. To me, past injuries don't mean. Have, they have no prediction of future injuries. Would you agree with that? 
Uh, I think some injuries you can, you know, like if like AJ Green's foot that he hurt three seasons in a row, like that concerns me a little bit. If he pops up on on the injury report midweek and he's got a left toe injury, uh, that's going to scare me a little bit. But like these like freak injuries where like, you know, you have a concussion here and then you uh, strain your hamstring and then, you know, you tear your ACL on the other leg. Like none of that matters. It doesn't matter if a player gets hurt three or four seasons in a row. Like Keenan Allen, for example, you know, he had those shortened seasons, multiple seasons in a row, and then he didn't miss another game. You know, it's not injury prone. It's football. It's a violent sport. People get hurt just because they got hurt before. doesn't mean they will again. Right. Another uh, running back down there at close to min price that I actually like this week is uh, Tariq Cohen. I guess I think Montgomery may have practiced today. I still think Tariq Cohen, if they're behind, is going to get a lot more work in, in an attempt to save his hamstring or whatever. What do you think about Tariq Cohen? Uh, I'm probably not going to play any Cohen this week just because I feel like in this particular slate, because it's week one, there's just too much value out there Okay. that I don't feel like I can get down to Cohen. If I'm going that low, I'd rather just go all the way min price for you know Chris Thompson, maybe a little Gibson, whatever, than to hit that little bit above where it's just as murky. So another murky running back situation where there's a min-priced guy involved is uh, Lev Bell and Frank Gore over at the Jets. Uh, you know, they've – who knows what they're going to do there. Uh, everyone assumes that Le'Veon Bell is a bad play, right? Would you agree that most people are saying that just because they think that he's hated by yeah. the coach? Yeah, I mean, he's being largely ignored, and it is a bad matchup, but that's one of those guys that I was talking about where there's a lot of value. You know, Le'Veon Bell is 5,600 this week. You know, that's that's just really cheap for him. I mean, I don't remember the last time we saw him that cheap. Even last year in the bad year, he very rarely got under 6K. This should be an improved offense. They got some. They got some linemen in there just for fifty six hundred. I mean, I, I think you can do way worse. You've got Marlon Mack and Devin Singletary and Ronald Jones in like the same area there because he's going so largely ignored at that price. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is someone that I'd like to get a little bit of this week. Yes, I agree. Since you mentioned him there, what 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 about Mack? Uh, they brought in uh, Taylor in the draft. They spent all their you know you know a lot of draft capital on him, as they say. That game is likely to favor a running game script. What do you think about Mac? Mac and Jonathan Taylor are four hundred apart. Mac's at fifty three hundred. Jonathan Taylor's at fifty seven hundred. I do think that early on in the season, Mac will probably get some carries. Probably between I don't know, I want to say like twelve to fifteen, just in that price range again. I just feel like there's so much good value this week that you just you don't have to go for those murkier situations. And sure, I guess if you nail it right and you get Mac at three percent ownership and he scores three touchdowns, I mean, sure, like you can win a lot of contests. But like not knowing the odds of that, I would rather go with a bell cow like Bell for three hundred more. Right. Yeah. And whether you're going to be trying to attack those murkier situations probably has a lot to do with you know your risk tolerance, and also what contests you are in. We sort of talked about contest selection last time. Like, there's no reason to make, you know, some of the 100-man contests that we were discussing before that you like to play. There's no reason to make a guess in the Mac-Taylor situation. Would you agree with that? Yeah. um, My strategy in NFL in general, though, I mean, is kind of go with the sure things at running back. Like, when 
eating chalk, I'd rather eat at the running back position than anything else. It's kind of what's set in stone the most. So knowing you're getting two guys that get 70 to 80% of their touches is pretty important. When like with the receivers, like with the Marcus Robinson tonight, it's more likely to go any which way. So I kind of like to stray um, from the crowd of receivers, you know, Deshaun Jackson this week, uh, Terry McLaurin, those are like some mid-priced guys at receiver that's been really popular. And I probably won't play any of them no matter how good plays they are because wide receivers are so volatile compared to running backs. Yeah. Deshaun Jackson and Terry McLaurin are both probably the main targets on their team over the long run of the season. That doesn't, that doesn't mean every game they're going to be. And if they're going to be chalky and you can find someone for the same price with a similar target volume, there's no reason to go there on a position like wide receiver that just has that extra variance. Yeah. I think that wide receivers and defenses are the two that you can be most comfortable to stray away from the pack from. But as far as running backs, I mean, chalk running backs are usually chalk running backs for a reason outside of Gibson. I mean, like I said, that's just a really murky situation where we're not sure. And Gibson could crush, but there's just, there's too much there that I would want a lot of him. But, you know, with these running backs, the, the field is pretty sharp these days and they can usually peg who the good running back plays are. And that makes them chalk. Um, you know, McCaffrey, a lot of the year last year was 30%, 40% owned, even if he was 10 11K. Every time a fill-in running back would come up, you know, 30 40% owned, I just think it's a lot easier to eat the chalk and you're getting a good play at running back and very elsewhere in your lineups. So right now on the site, we have a few articles, including your stack article. Let's say you want to get a little bit different at wide receiver and make it as part of a uh, game stack. Where's one place that you're looking uh, speaking of that stack article, it's actually free this week. Oh, uh, excellent. I got a little excited for myself, you know, having my own site for NFL. So <laughs> I wanted to. Uh, I can understand that. Yeah. So I wanted to get it to as many people so they could kind of see what, you know, what we're about, what we're going for. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, you should check it out. But as far as with the stacks, um, one that I actually like that I think rivals what I believe to be the chalkiest stack of the week will be the Philadelphia Eagles is the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr is also dirt cheap. Henry Ruggs is that deep threat that we think can get, according to beat writers, the slot role where he'll be catching a lot of passes as well. That's one of those murky situations I was talking about where we've got Henry Mm -hmm. Ruggs, we've got Edwards, we've got Waller, Jacobs. They just traded Lynn Bowden. So like there's just, there's a lot of good pieces there that are cheap that can have a big impact that should have a fraction of the ownership as Deshaun Jackson and the Eagle stack. For me, you know, playing the Las Vegas Raiders, I'd want to start with Derek Carr, and then you want one of the two safe guys, which is Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. For me, I also want one of the risky guys, where I want either Edwards or Ruggs. That way, you've got the safety of what you know is going for Oakland, and you can take advantage of that preseason or no preseason week one murkiness, take your coin flip out of the two rookies. With, with all the changes that they've had, that that's a place that people are going to shy away from. Without the preseason, they're going to say, well, this team's, I mean, I've heard that about a few different teams, this team hasn't had time to gel. There's a chance that even more people are going to be scared off just because of the lack of preseason. I would have said that if Tyrell Williams would have made it through, it would have been a situation where uh, I was a little more afraid because, you know, Tyrell Williams has a connection with their car already. I would have thought that, you know, he would take it away, but then at the same time, Ruggs would be taking targets from him and Edwards would get pushed down the depth chart. And with no Tyrell Williams there, it's really just Ruggs and Edwards. 
And, you know, so you know that if the offense does good that day, at least one of the two of them are going to have a good day. One of those situations that you can really take advantage of a situation that other people are scared of. You sort of touched on it there. Uh, you were, you're, you're comfortable stacking a, a quarterback with a running back. Like in this case, to me, they still have Jalen Rashard around as, as a patch pass catching running back. What do you, what do you think about this is sort of leading the witness? Cause we sort of had this discussion in, in uh, discord earlier. What, what are your thoughts on a QB with a, running back in your game stack so for a long time people actually thought stacking a quarterback with a running back was negative correlation but last season um this article is still free if you want to go read it daily roto uh drewby over there wrote up an entire report on team stacking it was found that in 80 percent of teams that the running back one has a good to great game more often than the wide receiver two does for a team when the same quarterback also has a good to great game. After reading that last year, um, I started incorporating that more. But for me to want to do that, it's got to be a running back that gets 75 to 80% of the team touches because what I'm going for there is touchdown equity. So if you've got the quarterback and you've got the running back and they score 90% of the touchdowns, then you know you can get all the team's touchdowns in your stacks that way. Obviously, if there's a great pass-catching running back there as well, that's not a spot that you want to target. I wouldn't want to do that same strategy with Baker and Nick Chubb because Kareem Hunt is more likely to catch the passes and have le- or more than that 5 to 10% touchdown equity that we were talking about You know, than you want in that situation. So it really depends team by team. But it's not. It's also not just no negative correlation anymore. Yeah, and I, I don't think I would consider Jalen Richard the same as uh, Cream Hunt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you wanted to get a little different, you could put Jalen Richard in there. But they've talked all offseason about how they wanted Jacobs to get better at pass catching, and they traded Lynn Bowden, who they just made you know made a third round pick in this last year's draft that was supposed to come in as a pass catching back. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of evidence that shows me that Jacobs was good enough that they were comfortable not having that player developing there. In that particular situation, I think that you know Jacobs is a really good stacking mate with Derek Carr. So when it comes to a stack like that, what what kind of contest are you targeting? Uh, that's a pretty that's a fairly unknown stack outside of Jacobs for the most part. So are you are you putting that in like a hundred man contest or something a little bit bigger? I'd be comfortable putting in anything that's not a straight up cash contest. I kind of play everything like it's a GPP because I want to be in first. You know, even if it's a hundred man contest, first place has you know a 60 percent prize pool in in some of these. You know, and the hundred mans we're talking about, I think it goes from like sixty six fifty to thirty three dollars and fifty cents. That's more than 50%. So for me, I always want to make smart plays. I won't just play something because no one's doing it. But at the same time, I don't really narrow out safe plays or GPP plays. That's something I have a really hard time with because I'm only playing people that I like to begin with. While we're here, uh, what other content right now do we have available for people to check out for the NFL season? For this week, what do we have so far? We have your stacks article. What else? We've got a stacks article. We had a showdown cheat sheet and analysis. And at the time of this, you know, he's actually fighting for a first place finish 
We don't know if he's going to keep it or not, but I would imagine, you know, we're at least all going to cash. We have a game-by-game breakdown, which we would be trying to get out Wednesday mornings. That would be free for everybody. It goes over every single game, the odds for it, how stackable that game is, every DFS piece in that game that could be useful and some example stacks. Then there's also this podcast. This podcast is free. It won't always be me on it. Matthew's the host. The rest of us are going to kind of cycle out. We might have some outside guests come on and talk to you guys a little bit. And yeah, we also... call them some favors. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've also got a essentially a good chalk, bad chalk article. We don't have a name for it yet, but it's kind of going through the chalkier stacks and guys of the week. And whether you want to play them or not, if you don't want to play them, what are some of the good pivots for them? And then we also have a full player pool done by a GPP specialist that's kind of ranked on how safe the plays are and all that. And you can get access to everything for you know $10 a month. Or if you just want to try a week, we offer weekly passes. You can just kind of try it out. It's only $3. And I highly recommend you guys do that. Yeah, and where where is that available? Uh, the DFSacademy.com. Don't forget the... A lot of people do. I'm letting you say it this time so I don't say it wrong. <laughs> and that's also the uh, the Twitter handle, the DFS Academy. Tweet out all the articles, the free ones. You always retweet, retweet it. That's, that's, that's how you find some of this. Who else are we looking at this week? I think that a lot of the field is going to go to Philly and the Philly-Washington game. I'll probably have a little bit there. You know, that Washington defense should be much improved from where they were last year. Last year, they already had a lot of talent, but mediocre defensive coordinator kind of held that talent back. This year, Jack Del Rio there, I really don't feel like that Washington team is going to be one that you can just push over. I don't know that they're going to be a good team because the offense is still horrendous, but it's not a defense that I'm actively targeting in the beginning of the season. I really expect Philly to be chalk, and then the Seattle-Atlanta game I also think will be really chalky, but that's a game that I'm not going to shy away from from the chalk. Instead, I'm looking more to just find pieces there that can make me different. That's some of the games where, you know, I want to stack the running backs with the quarterbacks because people avoid that there. You know, Ryan, Gurley, Ridley, that's fine. Wilson, Carson, Metcalf, Lockett, that's all fine. That's that's kind of the balance of, you know, the good chalk, bad chalk. It's really identifying where the rest of the field is going on the slates and where you're comfortable eating that chalk and how you can get different. And that's really the biggest thing in all of GPPs and all of DFS. Learning that skill to me was probably the best thing I ever did for being a profitable player in the industry. If you just take a look at the Vegas totals between those two games that you mentioned, you have Philly and Washington at about 43. You have Seattle and Atlanta at 49. While Vegas isn't always right, it's a pretty efficient market. And if the chalk is on a 43 game and there's chalk on a 49 game, it's not, not too hard to decide maybe which one might be the better chalk. Yeah, and another game that I really like this week that it seems like an obvious play, but I think a lot of people are going to you know talk themselves off of it because of some of those cheaper games that we were talking about is the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game. Yes. You know, to get that full Tampa or New Orleans stack, I mean, you're, you're using like 50% of the the money you have, you know, to get Brady, Evans, Godwin, Kamara, Thomas, you know, these are all really expensive players, top five most expensive players at their position. And I think that because of that, even though it's such a good game environment in the Dome, two elite quarterbacks, two good defenses, but not great defenses, that this game's going to come in really low owned from where it should be. So having a lot of these two teams is something that I really want to focus on this week. 
And when it comes to an expensive stack like that, that's where most people are going to throw Antonio Gibson. Even if the stack is slightly owned, you can think, okay, where is everybody else going to go with this stack to save salary? And that's where you can start making some pivots. Yeah, I actually think that most people that play either one of those stacks are going to have both Deshaun Jackson and Gibson. So for me, you know, in the Tampa stacks that I would hand build, I would probably switch one of Gibson or Jackson to Marvin Jones and Chris Thompson, who I think are two really excellent pivots at almost the same price point. I think that Marvin Jones maybe is like 200 more than Deshaun Jackson. You know, Jones is somebody that's also in a decent matchup and a decent game that should carry no ownership, that has a high ceiling himself. You know, it's just kind of finding those little pivots like that, that, you know, chop your ownership in half, that if your Tampa Bay stack hits, and Deshaun Jackson busts, even if Marvin Jones doesn't do great, say Marvin Jones gets 12 and Deshaun Jackson gets four, you know, you're you're already up on 75% of that, that Tampa Bay field that also had the same basic stack as you. Kind of something going into the Marvin Jones ownership. Obviously, this is Thursday night as a recording. And as you go from Thursday into Sunday, in this case, we have Galladay missing some practice this week. So that's where you can't you can't just lock in your place right now on Thursday. Uh, we're you're publishing the article on Thursday, but that doesn't mean that's where you're going to end up by Sunday. Yeah, that's actually the you know the really valuable thing about having a actual membership instead of relying on our free articles is that having the articles for free means that you can get where we're thinking on Thursday with all the updates and everything. You've got to be in the Discord which is part of the premium membership to get the updates and see where we're landing at on Sunday mornings, which could change drastically. You know, we, we release this Friday morning and for whatever reason, uh, you know, Tampa Bay gets super popular and I'm not on them anymore. And now I want to play the Packers in Minnesota, for example, you wouldn't know that you guys would all still play Tampa Bay and the discord members would all play Minnesota. You know, that's something that you can't get without having a membership. We kind of touched on the, the, that Minnesota stack last time, just how condensed the, I I believe we did, right? Yeah, we did. And um, I debated it all week, whether I wanted to uh, have Las Vegas or Minnesota as my last stack, as my top five stacks. And I did land on Minnesota, who I think is excellent this week. And I don't think anyone's going to play it. I think that you can get Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Devontae Adams at almost no ownership as a combined four. And that's ridiculous when all four players could could realistically finish top three at their positions. Yeah, I, I can definitely see Cooks and Adams having individual ownership, but not combined. Beyond even just a simple game stack, nobody's really making correlated plays of one-offs either. Is that something that you ever do? I guess Um, they wouldn't be one-offs if you're taking two from the same game. But say Cooks and Adams. Yeah. um, To have a successful game stack, I have a quarterback, two of his weapons, and then I run one back on the other side in all of my lineups. In all 100% of my lineups, the basis will be the four of those because then, you know, whatever game you take, if you pick the game that's got the highest total of the week, then whatever lineups you have with those are already contestants to take first place in whatever contests. Getting half of your lineup right automatically makes getting the other half right that much easier. Earlier, I touched on Las Vegas. You know, if you have Carr, Jacobs, and Waller, you know, you also want McCaffrey, you want Anderson, you want more, you want, you want somebody coming back. And when you're deciding what that player is, you should be thinking about how the game's going to go. 
So if you're hand building the lineup and you take Carr, you know, Jacobs and Waller, and you think that they're going to be, or let's say you go Carr, Waller, and Ruggs, because you think that the Raiders are going to be falling behind, they're going to be throwing a lot. Naturally, you would want McCaffrey on the other side because they're running a lot. Maybe he scores a touchdown or two. It's the kind of thought process that when you're hand building lineups, you can put into it over, you know, people using projections. And that's one of, in my opinion, the biggest edges still in the industry for people that hand build lineups. My process is somewhere in between. (laughs) I'm usually building, you know, 40 or 60 lineups and I'm usually a procrastinator. Uh, I'd say I'm waiting for all the news, but usually I'm just a procrastinator and I'm trying to throw them all together for a couple of sites uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, So I sort of use a hybrid approach that I want to make sure that when I'm using a lineup builder, I'm getting those game stacks that I want, that I'm getting the pieces from the game stacks that I want. Then I kind of let projections fill in around it. At that point, then I'll go back through and say, does this make sense? from an, own, an ownership standpoint. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in there as well. I'm a person that pick all of my own bases. I kind of narrow down my player pool, at least with ownership caps of, you know, where I don't want to go over the field on players that I want to take a hard stand on. I don't, I don't want to have any of on players that I want to double the field, things like that. But then I'm also somebody that kind of just lets projections fill in the rest of my ownership or the rest of my lineup for a lot of things. I mean, it, it really depends for NFL it's like that. I prefer to hand build in NBA. Baseball is a projection sport. It really just depends on the sport for me. But then I also go through and I'll play a couple of different uh, three injuries in smaller fields. And I prefer to hand build those because, like I said, those are kind of the contests that I feel like you can get an edge in the projections when it's just single entry or three max or something like that. Because most people just input a random lineup into those contests. You know, if they have 150 max in a single entry, they'll just run 151 lineups. So it's not actually built for that contest. So when I'm in the single entries and three maxes, I prefer to hand build. Or they'll put their cash lineup. Yeah. Or their cash lineup. But again, I mean, you know, that's, it's not something that's built specifically for it. And it's where, you know, I think that smaller volume players can really find their edge. All right. Is there any other uh, game or stack or player that you were uh, you're interested in discussing? Uh, I'll just bring up one that I felt that I really liked at the beginning of the week. And the more and more I looked at it, the more and more I didn't. And that's the Cleveland Browns and Baltimore stack. You know, a lot of people like to run Lamar Jackson and um, stack him. I kind of touched on it as well, how Lamar Jackson doesn't really correlate well with a uh, game stack that he it's actually when Lamar Jackson has big games, the most beneficial person last year was actually Mark Ingram, oddly enough. And then Mark Andrews second. And a lot of the time it wasn't at the same time. My thought process for that was that instead I would stack the Browns and just try to get some Mark Ingram and Mark Andrews to kind of counterbalance that. But the more and more I read into the beat reports, the more and more I looked at the numbers, just the, the Brown stacks sort of make me feel uneasy. You know, it's a, it was a bad offense last year, and a lot of people just assume they're just going to bounce right back. But there's a lot of reports out there that they weren't gelling and Baker didn't look smooth in the system. So for week one, it's something that I talked myself back off of. But that said, I think that there's still some pieces there, like Odell Beckham Jr., Kareem Hunt, that are kind of at a, at a value point that I would be comfortable putting in my lineups as one-offs. Even yeah. if I'm not full stacking it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the whole the whole game doesn't have to go off for those guys to have a good game. Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to go over that strategy of 
me trying to figure out how I could get creative and intertwine that Lamar Jackson possibility blow up into my lineups and then why even though it made sense from a strategy standpoint why I didn't end up going there and how you should kind of analyze the process of finding the stacks that you want. There was one other thing that I just wanted to talk about on this week one and that is bankroll. We're all excited. We play NFL. Maybe uh, you were tired of NBA or MLB has been treating you poorly, but don't play too much for Sunday. Do not spend too much of your bankroll just because you're excited. You need to be in this for every week. There's too much variance in NFL that you need to play. You have to play good lineups for multiple weeks to really be able to hit your ceiling. Uh, I mean, you can get lucky, sure, this weekend uh, by playing extra, but it's unlikely. I agree for the most part, but also don't for week one. I would say that if you're going to overspend at any point and you at least kind of know what you're doing, that week one's the best time. Um, a lot of people have been losing an NBA. A lot of people have been losing an MLB. A lot of the casual fans are coming out that'll you know blow $100 this week. I think that week one is the most casual time of the NFL season. So if you are going to overspend, week one's the week. But don't do it just because you're excited. If you feel like you've got a legitimate edge over the rest of the field that you feel like could really hit this week, um, this is the week that you'd want to go in for it. Don't do it just to do it. There's there's been a lot of casual players this week, and you can take advantage of that if you've got a good game strategy. Good but point. also don't blow your entire bankroll. I mean, like if, if you've only got $200 for the entire season, don't spend 150 bucks. Yep. All right. Uh, so, again, you can find all of the articles that we mentioned, uh, some free and some paid, uh, at the dfsacademy.com. The Twitter handle that we'll also send out all tweets for all the articles when they're out is the DFS Academy also. David, where can people find you? Hess DFS, H-E-S-S-D-F-S. I actually try to get the handle. DF Hess when I first started all this and just some random account has it and I can't get it and it's the most disappointing thing ever. <laughs> as, as a lover of puns, I, I can appreciate that. <laughs> all right. And I am dark sheep underscore DFS, but it's got numbers and stuff in it. So uh, just check the description here. I'll also have links to all of these in the podcast description so uh thank you for joining me again david i'm not sure if we're going to be talking again next week but uh good luck this weekend good luck to you as well i hope to see you know the people listening to this podcast in the discord soon yes and good luck to all of you out there